stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Now, there's the other idea that's been floated uh, of either the federal and or provincial governments backstopping this project, taking an ownership stake in this project, maybe even taking it over outright as a way of saving it. I think from a political point of view for the prime minister and Alberta's premier to to uh, have the project still alive, still with a pulse, uh, that, that certainly is important to them. But it's an approach that entails a lot of taxpayer risk and would be setting a, a concerning precedent, perhaps even as well, when it comes to, to getting projects built. I don't know the Kinder Morgan's looking for a handout. I don't think they, they would turn down the money either. But is that really the path we want to go down? And would that actually solve our problems? Uh, some interesting points uh, on, on, on all of these questions. Uh, the Financial Post today, uh, Dr. Jack Mintz, uh, President's Fellow at the University of Calgary School of Public Policy, um, wrote that piece, joins us on the line here this afternoon. Dr. Mintz, welcome to the program. Uh, my pleasure, Rob. And, and uh, hello from uh, Texas, where I am right now watching all the pipelines getting built. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good for them, uh, but it's just it's kind of a sad reminder of what we're not able to do here. Um, what's what's your sense of, I mean, just in general terms, how, how serious this is and, and whether you see a way out? Well, first of all, I, I think, you know, the federal government has really boxed itself in, I think, by really not doing very much to ensure that uh, this project would definitely go ahead. Uh, they were in charge of, of that, uh, given that they approved the project and that's their constitutional responsibility. Uh, but be, now that uh, we're at where we're at and both, um, uh, you know, and the federal government is trying to save its skin, so to speak, over, over this. They've uh, now looking to uh, pass some legislation that uh, might ensure that their their paramount powers apply uh, with respect to this. Because if, at least according to some legal experts, and I'm not, this is not my field, but but uh, from what I've read, uh, according to certain legal experts, that the federal government can establish. Uh, that it has uh, paramount power here. That even even a, a province with other powers, like uh, you know, over environment, can't block the federal government. Now the politics is a different story, but uh, but certainly the legal issue I think can be dealt with uh, with that. The the idea of stopping uh, or providing money to deal with the uh, regulatory risk, I think from Kendra Morgan's uh, perspective, makes a lot of sense. I mean they've. They've been very patient. They've done a lot of hard work to try to get this pipeline through, uh, including negotiations with uh, First Nations along the way to make sure they have, a, you know, they they're on side. Uh, there are some that are against, so they still have an issue there. But um, but certainly BCs and Transigans is uh, is, uh, is 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 very difficult, and uh, and I could see the you know the argument for the financial uh, uh, you know. Uh, you know, support given by the federal government to make sure this gets built uh, is, uh, is certainly, uh, you know, certainly a, a strategy that might work. But on the other hand, uh, it, it imposes a lot of potential risks. Well, it does. And I mean, look, from Kinder Morgan's perspective, they, they have to face the question of whether they're prepared to take on that risk. And to, to have government say, look, we'll, we'll share that risk with you. I mean, in terms of reassuring the company, as you say, that that would probably work. Um, it might. I'm not sure whether. Uh, I'm not sure that was really what Kinder Morgan is looking for. I mean, if the if the pipeline gets built, 
uh, they'll be able to get their profits on it. I don't know why they want to share. They they can deal with all the financial risks right. and other risks, uh, market risks that are associated with the project. They they're large. They can deal with that. Um, this is a regulatory risk issue, which is very different in nature, and uh, and it's uh, it's a matter of getting uh, the project through, and uh, and federal uh, the federal government sharing the support the risk. I don't think is the issue. I think the issue is the federal government. Uh, maybe through the financial support, uh, maybe makes a statement that is right behind the uh, project, and it could be insurance. It doesn't have to be ownership of the project. It could be saying that, look, if you know if the project fails, we'll reimburse Kinder Morgan for all the capital costs incurred in order to get this project going, uh, which is uh, you know which may be a, an appropriate thing to do for in, you know from the point of view of Kinder Morgan. But it is putting the taxpayer at risk, and it, uh, and in fact, the, the worst part of it all, BC is not sharing that risk at all, or very little of it. Uh, it's going to be, you know, mainly Ontario and Quebec and Alberta and, and the other provinces are going to share the lion's share of that cost uh, if the project fails. Yeah, so there's there's not a market failure here, right? I mean, there's still an economic case for this pipeline. I mean, we're really dealing with political failures, right? No, oh, that's right. It's it's a political failure. There's no market failure. In fact, you know, some people say, well, this is kind of like the oil sands. Well, that was an argument where years ago there was a very uncertain technology, and so there's uh, so someone argued that governments need to put some money in. There's a question whether that was needed. I mean, in a less developed country, I think governments need to put up risk capital because markets are very underdeveloped. But in a more advanced economy, that's a more questionable thing whether governments even need to to provide that kind of support. But uh, I think that's a very different sort of thing, even with respect to other mega projects around the world that cost uh, millions and millions and billions of dollars to to build. Uh, you, you know, if there's a real problem in, in terms of risk capital because of market risk, then you know, then uh, maybe governments will step in, or maybe they want to have a share given that they have ownership of the resource. Uh, you know, in, especially in a lot of less developed countries. But uh, I think in this case, there, there's really no argument for the government to take on ownership of the pipeline. If the pipeline goes ahead, it really is Kinder Morgan's let them deal with the market risk and everything else. They're quite happy to do with that. And if the project fails, then that's a totally different uh, story. So really what the government, federal government, I think the best thing is not ownership of the project, but to, if they really want to take on this risk, the appropriate risk would be more like insurance if they think if the project doesn't get through and the and the federal government will 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 pay off the capital costs least incurred by Kinder Morgan even though Kinder Morgan won't get the future present profit you know the future profits out of the project but uh, they won't get compensated for that so I think it's you know you could make an argument for that but I but again I think we should sit back and make sure that all this is properly handled and in fact there are some major issues involved in terms of the federal government even playing this uh, role of providing insurance risk uh, for a political contingency, which is really uh, a legal kind of issue and political issue that, uh, you know, that I think uh, you can apply in a lot of contexts. Uh, should government start support, you know, uh, providing uh, support for regulatory risk if they can't get the regulatory regime in place? 
What about, though, uh, a refinery as, as a parallel here? Because, as, as you well know, the Alberta government uh, provided a lot of financial support to getting the Sturgeon refinery built. Is that, I mean, are they similar in the sense that we're dealing with massive energy infrastructure projects, or are, are they different for, for various reasons? Well, you know, the refinery thing, I think, is a good example. Uh, should, the federal, should Alberta have even gotten into that? I mean, they're absorbing all the risk all the market risk associated with that refinery, they're paying a toll charge to the operators. The operators do bear the operational risk in running the refinery um, in the sense that their toll charge has to cover the costs that they incur. Uh, but all the market risk in terms of pricing uh, is left with the Alberta government. That was the only way the refinery could get built because in the private sector, there was no reason to build the, the refinery. Uh, right now in North America, there was a surplus of refining. In fact, there were refineries that were getting mothballed, not not being built, and and it didn't really make sense for the Alberta government actually to to um, uh, to get involved with that project. And it's um, it basically is a cost that's uh, passed on to the Alberta taxpayers. And whether there's going to be any money made out of it, we'll have to see. Uh, and whether there'll be significant losses, we'll have to see. But you know whether Alberta will end up bearing, but it's. I don't see there was no market failure in that case. That was mm-hmm. just um, that was just the government saying we wanted to have a refinery, even though the economics wasn't there at all. Yeah, and and the economics are certainly there for this pipeline, so that's a big difference. Um, and, and exactly. let me just yeah, let me just ask you that because you, you address it kind of in in the uh, closing of your piece today in the Financial Post that we, we've got a lot of other reasons to be concerned about Canada's competitive advantage and to to have all of this political uncertainty on top of everything else. We we just we seem to be going in the wrong direction, don't we? Well, I think, you know, I think we have great potential as a country. We have, you know, we're a resource-based economy with, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, a huge endowment of, of resources, not just oil and gas, but, you know, potash and uh, forestry and all sorts of other things, uh, mining, and and also we have a great agricultural sector. Um, so, you know, this gives us a huge advantage as a country. Uh, we have a well-educated workforce, a hard-working workforce. I think that's another important advantage that we have. Uh, so all those things bode well for for uh, for Canada, and the bigger question is why don't we do even better than what we're doing now? And I think a lot of it comes down to uh, you know the regulatory uh, uh, costs that are imposed on businesses, new tax costs. Uh, you know, a number of the I would say some of the political decisions that I think undermine our potential uh, to a certain extent, and and I think. I think this one is uh, the Trans Mountain case is a, is, a, is a good example of that. But even if you, even if we get Trans Mountain dealt with and it finally goes through and everything is, is hunky dory with it, uh, you know, will we be able to get another pipeline built? Not with the kind of regulatory regime that's in place. Uh, will there be a real desire to invest in Canada, and especially in the resource sector, in the oil gas sector? Probably not, because of the the way that tax regimes are operating and regulatory regimes are, are, are operating. And so when you look at these things, it, it, uh, it doesn't look very good in terms of being able to uh, build a stronger industrial base in this country. And, and it's not just, you know, resource sector. I, I talk to urban developers in, in Canada and, and, for example, in Toronto. And they'll tell you the average time taken to build a condo in Toronto is seven years. And in, in the United States, in most of the cities, it's a year and a half. Huge differences in, in 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 these things, and so uh, you know we're not going to attract the kind of investment, get the productivity, uh, 
uh, up uh, that we can if we if we're going to continually allow regulatory uh, regulatory uh, uh, decision making uh, federal provincial conflict all these things getting into our way uh, because our politicians can't get their act together yeah well said uh, Dr. Mintz we'll leave it there really appreciate making some time for us here today enjoy your time okay. in Texas afternoons with Rob Breckenridge starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary